Our scripture passage this morning is John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 1,673. 1,673. I'm going to start the reading in verse 37 since it's been some time since we've been in John, so that we have a little bit of context. Here now the reading of God's holy word. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. And in our reading today. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. As for the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to his people. Will you pray with me? Father, open our ears, our eyes, our hearts, that we may see this morning in your very word who you are in Jesus Christ. That if we have not believed our hearts may be softened to believe, to come out of the darkness into the light. And that if we have believed, that we would grow to adore and to love and to praise your Son all the more. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm sure most of you have heard the phrase, like Father, like Son. Typically, it's said when a son does something that's bad or not a very positive characteristic. All the good things, that's what they get from their mother. All the bad things, that's what they get from their dad, right? And uh, it's funny, though, because kids can say the darndest things, right? And uh, I've heard that one morning a son was speaking to his mother and he said, Mom, I really, th- I really think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just like Dad when I grow up. And she said, why is that? 
And he said, well, because I think my eyebrows will grow into one like his, and whenever somebody speaks to me, I don't listen to him." <laughs> Not the kind of thing that you're hoping when someone says they hope to grow up to be like their dad. But that phrase, like father, like son, has a whole other truth element to it in our passage this morning. It's something that speaks to the reality of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then when Jesus speaks words, as he who sees me has seen the Father, and the words I say are the words that my Father has told me to say, he who believes in me believes also in the one who sent me, is the purest form of that, like Father, like Son. And that's why this morning we see the vindication of Christ's public ministry is found in his perfect revelation of the Father, his perfect revealing of the Father, showing forth who the Father is. But before we get to that, I think it's important that we have a bit of an understanding of the context of where we are in the Gospel of John. Particularly in chapter 12, many things have happened. Chapter 11 is the resurrection of Lazarus, a stirring up of people concerning who this Jesus is and what kind of man he is and what kind of power he has. Chapter 12 includes the triumphal entry where Jesus marches into Jerusalem and the people are praising him as king. And we have this controversy growing. we got to get rid of this man, Jesus, because if he stirs the people up too much, then Rome is going to come and punish us. So it's better for one man to die for the nation than for the entire nation to die. And here at the end of chapter 12, we see a closing of Christ's public ministry, a closing of him speaking in the synagogue or speaking in the temple or speaking upon the sermon or the mount or whatever it may be where he's speaking to the crowds. Because here, right now, in this moment in the Gospel of John, he's going to finally say what it is that he needs to say. He's going to declare it. He's going to give the people one last opportunity to know who he truly is, who he represents, and why it is that they are to turn from their sin and believe in him. But then after this, all his future words in the Gospel of John are private moments with his disciples washing their feet, the Last Supper, his high priestly prayer in the garden. The next moment of Christ's public ministry in the Gospel of John will be when he is hanged up on a tree in the place called Golgotha. So what you need to see here is this is Christ's last plea. In fact, if you look in verse 44, it says, Then Jesus cried out, and if I were trying to give you a little bit more of a, a feel for what that would be like in my reading, I would have tried to give it a little bit more oomph, a little bit more passion. Oftentimes we read the Bible as if it's just words on a page. When we're told here that this is Jesus' last plea 
to the public, to the people of Jerusalem, to the crowds, to his own people who have rejected him. And he is crying out to them passionately to turn from their ways and to believe in him. And he does this. And I think shows the way in which he perfectly reveals the Father in three ways. Once again, saying that he is the light. By speaking of the judge that is going to judge these people if they do not believe, and the eternal life that comes by believing in him. So let's look first at the light. Verses 44 and 40 through 46 say this. Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus' first words, his final cry to the crowds, is about the importance of the fact of who he represents who it is that he is revealing by being the light. That's what light does, right? It's, it's shown on things so that you can see what it is that's going on. And what Christ is saying here is that you, people of God, people of Yahweh, covenant people of the Father, you must understand that I am not some prophet who has come like any other prophet. That when you believe in me, you are also believing in God. And by necessity, if you do not believe in me, you are also not believing in Yahweh, your covenant God. This is the dividing line. This is the the finale. This is the last moment. This is where we draw the line. The line is drawn in the sand. My entrance into this world has caused division by the fact, the very fact that I am light, that I have revealed, and primarily that I have revealed who God the Father is. If you consider the words from earlier, in the Gospel of John. So important to see the words in that introduction, in the prologue to the Gospel of John, that we must keep before us always as a way in which John is summarizing all that he knows, all that he is going to, to speak of in the coming uh, chapters of his Gospel. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Verse 16, from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God the Father. But God the one and only That is, Jesus, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. 
If I were to pick an Old Testament passage that would go very well along with what we're looking at today in the Gospel of John, it could have been a number of passages, but one that came to my mind is the one story in Genesis where Jacob wrestles God. All the kids like that story because it's like WWE in the Old Testament, right? Jacob is wrestling God all night. And Jacob doesn't know who this is, but when, God, when Jacob leaves and his hip is, 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 is messed up, he says, for I have seen God and lived. Well, how is it exactly that the Scriptures can say no one can see God and live, but Jacob can say I have seen God and live? That's because who Jacob wrestled in the book of Genesis was the pre-incarnate, the pre-putting on of flesh, Jesus. The one who reveals the Father. The one who sheds light upon who God is. And that's why Christ can say here to these unbelieving Jews, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. Why is that? Because he has come into the world as light, so that no one believes in me should stay in darkness. I mean, it's fine, we could stay in darkness. As long as we want. And when we're in darkness, it's very easy to not criticize ourselves because we can't see anything that's wrong with us. We're shrouded in the darkness of our own self-deceit and sin. But when the light of the world, Christ, comes in, it can be blinding, overwhelming. But in the light of Christ, we see who we truly are fallen, broken sinners, worthy of God's perfect justice and wrath for the sins we have committed against him and our neighbors, and we need a Savior. It's those who think they can save themselves who need to be saved the most. people of God this morning as we bask in the light of Jesus Christ may our thoughts of who God is come into alignment more with the revelation of Jesus Christ for when we believe in Jesus we are believing in the one who sent him And when we see Christ, we are seeing the one who sent him. But what about the judge? Christ has come into this world as light. He's spoken on multiple other occasions about judgment. In the famous passage in John 3, he said, Whoever believes in, he, in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, that is, in Jesus Christ, stands condemned already, stands judged already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict of that judgment, he says. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in the middle of the night. And here we have a very similar phrase and we have very similar words being used. Christ is saying that to these Jews, these unbelieving Jews, here's your opportunity, particularly to these Jews whom we're told previous to this passage have believed in him, but ooh, they're afraid of the Pharisees because they love the worship, the glory of man more than they love God. But here Christ is. And to believe in him is to believe also in the Father. To see him is to also see the Father. He has come as light. But there is judgment coming. Can't you see in Christ's plea, his cry? That there is judgment coming. That there is a loving cry to these unbelievers to grasp hold while there still is time. To see that in this moment, grace is being extended to you. That, that, that God's patience is meant to lead us to repentance. Here we hear these wonderful words in verse 47 and 48. That as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, Christ says, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save him. Here we have a proclamation of Christ's ordering or priority of his work in this world. That here as Christ walks among the people on the earth, that his primary objective is to save the world, not condemn it. The condemnation of those who do not believe in Jesus is just simply a result of his having brought light and salvation. That's exactly what is said in John 3 when Christ says, he who does not believe me, believe in me, is condemned already. Christ has come to save the world, to be the savior of the world. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yet in his coming, a dividing line is drawn. In his coming, a line is drawn in the sand. That either you are with him, for him, or against him. Either you are in him or outside of him. Either you believe in Christ and his word and his proclamation, or you do not. It just so happens to be that that choice is the most important choice any person can make. That now that the light has come and revealed our condition, revealed our need, that now that Christ has truly revealed the Father, what you do with him, with his word, with his teaching, is what you do with God. To reject Christ is to reject the Father. 
To not listen and receive the words of Christ is to not listen and receive the words of the Father. And you can see the irony here, can't you? It's one that's scattered throughout the New Testament. The irony is that here Jesus is crying out to a bunch of Jews who hold dearly the fact that they have the revelation of God in the books of the Old Testament. They hold dearly the fact that God has chosen them as a special people. They hold dearly the fact that they alone are the ones who know who the true Yahweh God is. Yet here before them stands the perfect reflection, revelation of the God they have worshipped for centuries. The scriptures tell us that Christ is the image of the invisible God. In the Greek, it's the word icon. It's the same word that Greek Orthodox people use for the pictures that they have, icons. That Christ is the image of the invisible God. That he is the perfect revelation of who God is. And here these Jews stand before him and they reject their God. Which really shows that they never really knew God, did they? Here Christ in all his grace and all his mercy, here Christ with his primary objective as he walks the earth to be to save, to be the savior, stands before these unbelieving Jews, those who love the praise of men rather than the praise from God, those who cannot see in him the Father. And he pleads with them. He cries out to them. To believe. Verse 48 There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. This is Christ's last opportunity to plead with the crowds to turn from their sins and to believe in his word. And he's telling them, I have come to save. I wish that you would see me as Savior. My arms are extended out to you as Savior. Yet if you do not believe the very words which I have spoken to you this day will condemn you on that last day. I think those are very haunting things for many of us to hear. For it's the reality that we have a great privilege in our nation to freely share the good news of Jesus Christ. But what these words are saying is that all those who have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, the very words of God, 
about the coming of the Savior and the salvation that is offered in him, yet rejected. Those are the very words that will condemn them, that will judge them on the last day if they do not believe. It's a call to us. A call to us concerning the last day. A call to us to, as the canons of Dort say, promiscuously share the good news of Jesus Christ. Spread it far and wide. To let all know that as it stands this moment, Christ's saving Redemptive arms are outreached for them to come and to believe and to receive salvation. The light is there so that they can walk out of darkness. But to also warn them that a day is coming for it is appointed for all men to die once and then the judgment and all secrets will be revealed on that last day, as the gospel of Christ says. So we've looked at the light. We've looked at the judge, the very words which Christ speaks to these Jews on that day. But what about the life, the life that is offered? Because that is ultimately the plea that Christ is giving here to these crowds of unbelieving Jews as he wraps up his public ministry. It's a plea to believe and receive eternal life. That's ultimately the reason John wrote his gospel by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we may believe and by believing have eternal life. Verse 49, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This is why Christ is crying out to his people, to the Jews, to the Pharisees who have rejected him as the Messiah, to those who are believing but are afraid of what others might think and to those who have fully embraced him, to all he is saying, what I say is what the Father has called me to say. You can trust the words that I am speaking just as much as you can trust the words of your precious law. Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Why is that? Because I'm the very one who has inspired those words was given those words to you. Why is that? Because I am the perfect revelation of the Father. Christ spoke what the Father commanded him to speak. He has said what the Father commanded him to say. And what the Father commanded him to say is life. Eternal life. Eternal life for any and for all who would turn from their sins 
and to believe in Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. Can you see that what Christ is saying here is that my primary objective in coming is to save the world. And how am I doing that? I am doing that by perfectly obeying the Father as you have failed to do. These crowds before him, he's saying, I am the one who can represent you because I am the one who has kept the law for you. I am the one who has obeyed it for you. I am the one who is going to go and to die and to be punished for you so that you do not have to on that last day. Just believe in me. Just trust me. Just turn from your burdens and find rest in me. And you will receive eternal life. I don't know about you, but if someone showed up on my doorstep, knocked on the door, and said they were offering something, they had an item to sell for me, and they said, it's more like a trade, actually. What's going to happen is, I'm going to get all your sins, and you're going to get eternal life. We would probably think it's a scam, wouldn't we? That's exactly what Christ is doing in this moment. Like Father like son. Who is the father? That's the question, isn't it? Most of us, I pray, have good experiences with our earthly fathers, but there are many people out there who have very bad experiences with the father. And the concept of God being father can be troubling to them. And what determines the Father's disposition toward us? Is He a loving and gracious Father who embraces us despite our sins? Or is He a wrathful and vengeful God who righteously condemns us for our sins? Does the Father forgive us or judge us? Does the Father love us or hate us? The answer to those questions and so many more all depends on what we do with Jesus. Like father, like son. To reject Jesus as having no connection to the father is to make the greatest error of all. You see, when someone makes a decision about Jesus, they're really making a decision about God. And Christ's vindication of his public ministry is a plea to the crowd to believe on him as the full and perfect revelation of the Father, the image of the invisible God. To not believe in Jesus is to not believe in the Father. Well, the question, what are you going to do with, with Christ's final plea just as he was crying out to the crowds in that final moment of his public ministry, he is crying out now. What will your choice be? Will you see Christ as the light of the world, the one who reveals the Father and calls you out of darkness, or will you remain in the dark, blinded by your unbelief?
Will you see Christ as the one who speaks the true words of the Father, who is himself the very word of God incarnate? Or will you be judged by these very words on the last day? Will you see Christ as the one who offers eternal life through the Father? Or will you be eternally condemned by your unwillingness to obey the command to turn from your sins and believe in the Son? By God's grace, I've made my choice. I praise God that I know Christ to be my faithful Savior, the perfect and full revelation of our Heavenly Father the one who died to shed light upon my darkened soul, the one who rose from the dead to empower me to take hold of his word by the gift of eternal life. And I pray that God will extend to each and every one of you, if he has not already, the same grace he has undeservedly extended to me. But you may not be left standing in the dark on that day as this unbelieving crowd of Jews were. May you see Christ, and in seeing Christ, see the Father. Amen. Father, we thank you for the words that you have given to us here. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus not to judge the world, but to save it. And we pray, Lord, that just as Christ is the light of the world. That Christ in us may allow us to be lights in this world. We pray, Lord, that just as the words of Christ will judge those who do not believe on the last day, may we hold to the words of Christ and believe them and obey them. And we trust, Father, that the commands that you have given lead to eternal life and that by faith in Jesus Christ we have that eternal life even now. But we also pray for all those who still stand in darkness that they may come to know, to trust, and to believe in Jesus, your Son who reveals perfectly who you are, who died and on the third day rose again from the dead and Send it into heaven and sits now at your right hand, but we know we'll come again to judge the living and the dead. We ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes and ears ready and hearts prepared, anticipating that day. But as we have each day, may we, Lord, not forgive the grace, not forget the grace you have extended to us. And may we, Lord, grasp every opportunity we have to share the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ to others. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing.